I got to get started because Dart's got me all worked up. How's everyone doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So we're going to start a series tonight, and we're going to be talking about David. Um, and I titled it, uh, Man After God's Own Heart. And so most of you would be familiar, you know, with that term. And so just to start out with a ra- you know, show of hands, how many of you ever heard of David? Okay. How many of you ever heard of David and Goliath? Okay, so this should be pretty easy. You've all heard this story, right? And so the problem with that is that sometimes when we get familiar with something, we tend to tune things out, don't we? When we know the story, we kind of tend to tune things out. There are some of you guys that maybe you have a favorite movie. How many of you have a favorite movie you've watched over and over and over again, and you can tell all the lines to it? Okay, so that, that's quite a few of you. But there are some of you guys, and this, this is me. This is, wh- this is the camp I fall into. There are some of you guys who will watch a movie and never have the desire to watch it again, even if you like it. I can count in my hands that the movies I've watched more than three or four times. There's a few movies, but other than that, once I watch a movie, I'm only going to watch it again if it just kind of, you know, I need something in the background. And, you know, like the Avengers, I've seen it like three three or four times, the original Avengers, great movie, just don't need to watch it over and over again. Once I've seen it, once I'm familiar with it, I kind of move on. I'm the same way with, with music, I'll listen to a song over and over again, and then once I'm sick of it, I'll probably never listen to it again out of my own, you know, my own will. I won't choose to do that. And so when, whenever someone's like that, you can hear the story of David and, you, you, and the story of David and Goliath, and you can say, well, I've heard that. What, what, you know, what can I really learn from this? And I want to encourage you guys that every time you go to God's Word, no matter what you, you're reading, no matter how many times you've read it, God can still show you things. You know, I've heard this story since I was three years old, and so that's, that's 33 years I've heard this story. Is it too close to my face? Is it rubbing the beard? Is that better? Much? Okay, thanks, Corey. Thanks for being there for you. And so I've heard this story for 33 years. That's a long time to hear this story, and even as I was studying this week, God showed me something. And as I was studying, God encouraged me. And, and so I want you guys to, to, you know, think, you know, God can show you something. So go into this with an open heart and go into the whole story of David because he's a very familiar character. Go into it with the heart of like, God, show me something. Show me something new through this series. And so obviously, you know, David is the only man in the Bible that God ever called a man after my own heart. And so God, you know, God was telling us that David was special. There was something about David that made him very special to the Lord. And we're going to talk about that throughout this series. And the thing that I love about David is, is as you read through the, you know, the first Samuel and all the other places where David's mentioned, you realize that he's kind of just like us. David has his ups, he has his downs, and you, you can learn so many different things from just different stories in the life of David. And the one thing that I really love about David is he's honest. You know, if you read through the Psalms, the thing you're going to learn about David is if he's scared, he's going he's to tell God that. If he is happy, he's going to tell God that. If he's, you know, if he's mad, he's going to tell God that. He's going to call out to God. And in fact, if you guys are in the, the 9 a.m. Um, three-point passages, you're going to hear Vinny talk here, in, you know, towards the end of that. And he's going to talk about Psalms 13. And David is crying out to God, asking, like, God, have you abandoned me? I mean, how many of us are actually willing to just be honest with God like that? But David was. And the awesome thing about David is that in his frustrations, in his anger, in his fear, or whatever he was going through, he continued to seek the Lord, and he always got his answer. And God always came through, and he always had a good heart about it. And so that's what's so cool about David. David's just like us. He had problems. He made mistakes. He did great things. 
And at the end of the day, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. And that's what I want to encourage you through this series. I want at the end of this series to let you guys know that David was an average guy, even though he's a king. And even though he was a king, you know, that doesn't make him any different than us. We can all have a a heart that to follow the Lord. And so tonight we're going to talk about the story of David and Goliath. Everyone raised their hand. So you're very familiar with it. Um, And so, you know, if I'm not going to have you raise your hand on this, but I was kind of curious kind of thought about it, but I'm not going to. Let me ask you this. I want you to answer it to yourself. How many of you have actually read 1 Samuel 17? Now, I'm guessing that there were a few hands would actually drop and say, well, I've never actually read the story. I've just heard about it a lot. And if I asked you, how many of you have read it in the last five years? I'm sure some more hands would drop. And then if I asked you, how about in the last two or three years? Probably some more hands would drop. And so once again, just because you're familiar with it, I mean, have you actually read it? Have you actually studied it? And so I have, luckily, and so I'm going to talk about that. And the first thing I want you guys to understand is, is that why we're going through this, we cannot forget that God was simply looking for someone to stand up for him in this story. Only one person stood up in this story. You know, I titled this message, Be Someone, because David answered the call and, because the su- and, beca- and became someone God would use to deliver Israel. And the thing we can't forget is anybody in the nation of Israel, anybody in that army could have been David if they would have trusted the Lord. And I think we can easily forget this as we go through and we can focus so much on David. But listen, anybody could have done what David did. They just had to trust the Lord. And so the first thing we're going to see in this story is we're going to see the villain. And so as I was preparing for this, when I first started out, um, there's a lot of chapters or verses, there's only 50, over 50 verses in this, and I wasn't going to read a lot of them. I said, you know, I'm going to paraphrase a lot, and that'll be fine, and then the more I read it, the more I realized, man, this is an amazing chapter, and God showed me a lot of things, and you can really see the heart and the faith of David, so we are going to read a lot. It's going to be on the screen, so just just bear with me tonight, and I think God's going to show you something awesome. In 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 7, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together in Shecho, which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shecho and Azekah and Ephedamimi. That's one word I tried to really pronounce good for you guys, and I couldn't figure it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and the Israelites stood on a mountain on the other side, And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and with the weight of the coat (coughs) was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head uh, weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And so what we see here is uh, the Philistines and the Israelites are getting ready to fight. And so you, you have to understand, the, the Philistines and the Israelites, they fought a lot. They were very familiar with, with each other. In fact, you see this all throughout the Old Testament. Someone was always fighting. They were always fighting. And Israel would usually beat them. The only times they wouldn't beat them is when they wouldn't trust in the Lord. But if they trusted in the Lord, the Philistines would beat them. And the Philistines were aware of this. In fact, you know, these guys were so close. It's kind of like the Michigan and Ohio State rivalry even though it's really not much of a rivalry anymore because Ohio State's won, well, ever since I can remember. And so, but that's how it was. They knew each other and they hated each other and it wasn't, you know, anything uncommon for them to be in battle. 
And so this was kind of a unique battle, though, because you had the Israelites on one side of a hill and the, Israel, you know, the Philistines on the other side, and there was a valley in between, so you could overlook it. And instead of just taking one army and taking the other, and they were just going to run together and they were going to fight, um, you know, the Philistines had a, had a change of plan. They sent out Goliath. Now, Goliath, as most of you know, was huge. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but if you look on the Internet, you know, it says it's six cubits. According to the Internet and Google, a cubit is like a foot and a half. And so you do the math and the, and the span, and I'm going to spare you all that. The smallest Goliath would have been was nine foot nine. That's a really big guy. If you go off the Bible size of a cubit, Goliath would have been much bigger than 10 feet tall. And so you have a huge man. And so sometimes I think when you think 10 feet, you don't actually think, you know, you can't really comprehend that. So Xander, could you put up a picture? I'm going to try to help us understand. Okay, so forget Charles Barkley. I mean, that's just terrible. It's terrible. Let's forget him. Mark Wahlberg is 5'8". Okay, so Mark Wahlberg is two inches smaller than me, but he's probably the average size of the high schoolers in here. The Rock is six foot five. Like, there's nobody in here that's the size of the Rock, I'm guessing. Anybody six foot five? Are you? Okay, you're six three, but you still, he's still got two inches on you. Shaq is seven foot one, and he towers over him, and he's kind of leaning over, okay? So now, we all know how big the rock is, right? I mean, he's massive. Xander, go to the next picture. There's the six foot five rock um, standing beside a guy named Sun Mingming. He's some basketball player in China. He is seven foot nine. Seven foot nine. That's like Nurse Mike standing beside Micah in that picture right there. (laughs) I mean, seriously, it is. I mean, he... The dude, the rock is huge. By standard, he walks in here, he's going to tower over most of us. But that dude makes him small. And you think, wow, that guy's huge. Well, Goliath was at least two feet taller than that guy. Goliath would have been massive. You know, he was huge. And not only that, Goliath was a, was a warrior. He'd been training since he was young. And he also had all the weapons that matched his size. So when Goliath walked down, uh, he was a big guy. And, and the people of Israel would have been a little nervous, rightfully so. And so Goliath would go down, and he, he offered down a, up a challenge. And in verse um, 8 through 10 of chapter 17 of Samuel, it says, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Paul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail, prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So the challenge is simple. The challenge was send somebody down from the children of Israel, send someone down from the army, and we'll fight. And if I win, if Goliath wins, then Israel has to serve the Philistines. And if somebody in the Israel camp wins, then the Philistines have to um, serve the, the Israelites. It's quite simple. And so, you know, as we, as we start looking at this, you would kind of think that if you go based off of what the, the uh, Israelites had experienced in the past and the victories that God had brought them through and all the things that God had done for them, you would think that the Israelites obviously would have been nervous but thought, man, God is gonna, God's going to take care of this. God's going to provide a way for me to get out of this. But no one did that. In fact, you know, Goliath was coming out every single day, and he was actually mocking them. And not only was he mocking them, he was mocking God. You know, Goliath coming out saying that he defies the nation of Israel is a big deal. 
by him coming out and saying that, it's basically saying that there's no one in Israel, and more importantly, that Israel's God is not going to be able to defeat them. And so, now, like I said, God has given the Israelites many victories over and over again. So you'd think that maybe that they would be ha- send somebody out. There might be a good warrior that had enough confidence to go out and beat some dude that's 10 feet tall. We see in 1 Samuel 17, 11, that when Saul and, the is- and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So, you know, every day, Goliath would come out, and every day, the Israelites were terrified. They were dismayed. And dismayed just means disheartened, deprived of courage. They were, you know, these guys were greatly afraid. Not one man in the, in the army of Israel was willing to go out and fight them. Not one single guy. And so let's be honest. Who really wants to blame them? Like, let's not say the guy that's seven foot nine. Let's just say the rock walks in here and says, nobody's leaving here tonight until somebody beats me. Anybody want to fight him? I mean, my bet, my, Manny, Manny would, Manny would die. I, in fact, Manny would stand up and I would say, Manny, you're our last hope. Sit down. We'll send you last. I'm, I'm putting my money on Mike, but Mike's not going to beat him. That's the situation the children of Israel were in. I mean, we, we say, we know the end of the story, but it's easy for us to say, oh, well, someone needs to go down there and fight him. Well, I mean, let's face it. If someone walked in here like the rock, nobody's going to just jump up and fight. I mean, Manny says he's going to, but when you see a six-foot guy that's like 280 pounds of solid muscle, that's going to change your mind real quick. Just like when you see a 10-foot guy standing in front of you saying, hey, come, come fight to the death, that's going to change your mind if you're going to want to walk down there. And so this went on for 40 days, guys. Every single day, Goliath would come down, he'd mock the Israelites, he'd mock God, and every single day, the Philistines and Goliath's confidence would grow because nobody came down. And every single day, the Israelites would be more and more scared. I mean, could you imagine being in that? And the problem with Israel is they looked at Goliath and all they saw, they just saw a huge problem. They never stopped and they never looked to the Lord. Not one single one of them even decided that, you know what, maybe we'll just call out for the Lord and see if he's going to help us. And so, like I said, we know the story and and we say shame on them, don't we? We say, man, they should have just trusted the Lord. But the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, it's a picture of Christians today. And a lot of us find ourselves in the very same position that the nation of Israel is in we find ourselves facing an enemy or facing a Goliath in our life that we, we think that we can control. Maybe it's sin. Maybe you're addicted to something. Maybe you're depressed. Uh, maybe, you know, there's just a horrible situation in your life that nobody knows about, and you just can't deal with it. And you, but you think, you know, maybe, I, maybe if I could just, one more day I can do it. Maybe one more day I can get through it. And we convince ourselves that we don't need God and we can do it on our own. And you know what happens? We end up being dismayed. We end up being defeated. We end up being afraid. We end up being scared. And and one day turns to another, and one week turns to the next, and the next week turns to a month, and a month can turn to the year. A year, you know, can turn to, you know, decades. And we never face our Goliaths. We never stand up to them. And we read a story like this, and we say, well, shame on those Israelites. Well, you know what, guys? Shame on us. I've I've been there. I'm not just saying this to you guys. I've been there. But shame on us, because we won't face our Goliaths. We won't ask the Lord what, what we need to do. And so... You see in the story that, <coughs> that though it's familiar, sometimes, you know, we'll just skim right through it. But it is a story that oftentimes it, it, it pictures us. It shows who we are. And we find ourselves defeated and afraid. However, the rest of the chapter is going to show us that we can have victory. And we see this through the unlikely hero. And so that's your, your second point, the unlikely, or sorry, the unlikely victor. The unlikely victor. Um, 
And so in verse 14, we see that someone's going to come rescue Israel. It's not who you think it would be. It's not who the Israelites thought it was going to be. It's going to be a young boy. And so <coughs> we all know the story, but have you ever noticed that there is actually a progression to David's victory? Like as I was reading through this, I had never really noticed it before, but there is a progression. David set an example of what we need to do in order to defeat our enemies in our life. And the first thing we see is that David was obedient. And so before we, we start going on this point, and without going into a t- ton of details, if you really want to know how I came to this conclusion, I'll let you know. But David would have been probably high school age. He would have been 15 to 17 years old. There's actually a, a good chance he was younger than 15 years old. So David, the great mighty warrior who's going to get ready to fight Goliath, was either your age or younger. And so that's kind of convicting for a guy like me because I'm 36 and I think, man, if a high schooler is willing to face a, face a giant and he has this much faith, like, what, what am I doing in my life? And so some of us need to think, man, what, what are we doing in our life if this guy's willing to fight a giant? Like, what am I willing to stand up for God for? Because if David can do it, you guys can do it. And so I just want you guys to realize, don't ever forget that just because you're a high schooler that you can't be effective and do amazing things for God because we're going to see that David did. And so when David entered the story, he wasn't at the battlefield. Um, he wasn't there. He wasn't old enough. And so he was home actually watching the sheep. And you can see that in 1 Samuel 17, 17 and 20. And we're not going to read it for time's sake. But what you see is, is David is just, just home watching the sheep. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a big deal because in the chapter before, the prophet Samuel had come and he'd actually anointed David. He'd anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And I don't know about you. But if I'm 15, 16, 17 years old and someone comes and anoints me and says, hey, when the, when the king dies, you're going to be the next king. And my dad says, hey, you need to go watch the sheep. I'm probably going to say, I've got things to do, dad. <laughs> because think about it. I mean, his dad, Jesse's in a, in a precarious situation here. If he says, oh, well, no, David, you're going to go watch the sheep. Well, okay. Yeah, he could make him do that, but someday he's going to be king, and the king can do whatever he wants, and if he doesn't like Jesse, he could just have him, you know, kind of removed or kicked out of the country. He could have done anything he wanted to, but you know what? David knew the scriptures. That's one thing, that's one reason that he was a man after God's own heart, and David would have known Exodus twenty twelve, and it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and David knew that even though he was going to be king, that time wasn't now. He knew that this was not the time for him to be king. He also knew that the Lord obeyed him, told him that he needed to obey his parents. And so I know that some of you guys are thinking, oh, I don't want to hear that. But you know what? David knew that he had to obey his parents because that's what the Lord had commanded. And I know some of you don't love to obey your parents. No high school ruler really does, but they do have the best interest in, for you in your life. And you do have to obey them because God put them in front of you. You know, Jesus made it really simple for us in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you want to defeat the Goliaths and you want to live a victorious Christian life, then the first thing you're going to have to do is be obedient to the Lord. You're going to have to be obedient to the people that the Lord has put in front of you guys. And so what's the Lord asking you to do? Um, You know, imagine this. Think about this. What if David didn't obey his dad? What if he wasn't watching the sheep? And Jesse came over and he said, oh, man, David, you need to go. And he looks around and, oh, David's not there. What if David wasn't there? Would David have ever made it to the battlefield? Would Jesse have found him? I don't know. Would this story have ever happened? I don't know. Maybe not. Would God have delivered the Israelites? There was nobody at the camp that was going to stand up for it. So at this point, maybe not. I mean, it's a fair question to ask. But you know what? David was obedient because he understood that he had to obey his dad and the Lord. And so the story of David's victory starts with his obedience. And the start of your victory has to start with obedience. But it cannot stop there. 
it can't stop there, guys. The next thing we see is that David was courageous. And so David did go to the battlefield. He was taking his brothers some, uh, some lunch and, and some snacks or whatever. And so he gets there. He sees Goliath. He starts asking some people, hey, what's going on? And so they fill him in. And so he sits there and he sees David or he sees Goliath out there. And, and he's, he's running his mouth again. And so, you know, in verse um, 26 through 29, we find David talking. And he says, and David spake to the men that they stood by him. And this, this was the guys in the army saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistines, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And we find out real quick that David's not too afraid at this point. He's already not afraid of Goliath. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left thee those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of heart, for thou hast come down to <coughs> that thou mightest see the battle. And so, you know, Sir David's coming in, and he's wondering what's going on, and he's saying, man, who, who's this dude defying the living God? Who's this guy mocking my God? And his oldest brother looks at him and says, man, you're just being prideful. Basically, little brother, you need to go home. And if you have a little brother, you can imagine how that conversation goes. Or if you are the little brother, you've heard this conversation. You know exactly how it goes. And so David's brother is just saying, you need to go. Just, just go home. And in verse 29, David said this. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And so David sees the problem. And, and I, love his pro I love his response. It's not fear. David says, who, who is this Philistine, and why is he defying my God? And is there not a cause? This guy's mocking my God. He's making a mockery of him, and he's making a mockery of, of the army of God. Why isn't anybody doing anything? And as, as you, you, know, you see that as you read this story, we think David's courage actually started when he went to face Goliath. David's courage started right here. He stood up to his brothers. He stood up to the men in the army. And then he goes into Saul and says, hey, I'm going to go kick this guy's butt. He says, I, I'm going to go do that. Imagine if your earpiece falls off because you're trying to adjust it. <laughs> Imagine if you're David. I mean, listen, this dude was like 15, 16, 17 years old. His brother would have been beyond 20. Like, he, he stood up to his brother, probably his, his idol most of his life. I mean, we, we might not admit it, but we look up to our older brothers. He stood up to the army, and he stood up to Saul. That's courage. And he's, David saw the problem, and he stood up. And that's what God is calling us to do. God calls you high schooler and counselor, by the way. We, we don't get out of this by any means. He's calling us to stand up for God. When we, when we see somebody mocking God or we see somebody doing something, we need to stand up for the Lord. We see in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. And so quit ye like men is another way of saying, listen, you know what, be, be courageous. Be courageous like a man. You know, women, be courageous. That means you too. You, you have to stand up for the Lord. Like when we see a problem and we see someone defying the Lord or mocking the Lord, do you ever stand up for it? I mean, the easy thing to do is pretend you didn't hear it and then kind of walk away. But let me encourage you, David stood up for it. And it, in fact, it, it angered David. Hey, listen, I'm not saying go chew the guy out. But I'm saying you can have a civil conversation and say, man, wh why are you talking about God like that? Like that means a lot to me. And can I tell you about my God? You can do that, high schooler. And you can do it regardless of what, you know, the people around you may think and want to argue. You can do it in a civil way. And you can do it in a way to be a light to the people. And so, you know what that, that means? You're going to have to stand up to the people who defy God, though, if you're willing to do this. If you're going to be like David, if you're going to be courageous. 
that means you're going to have to face your Goliath. That means you're going to have to face some sin maybe in your life or whatever's standing in front of you that's holding you back. You know, the Bible says we're in a spiritual war, and, but we need to be like David. We need to fight, and we need to fight every day. But along with courage, we see that David had faith. You know, the next thing we see is, is David goes into Saul, and Saul was the king at the time. And so he said, hey, I'm going to go fight. I'm going to go fight him. And this is, this is so cool what David tells him. Seriously, this is a high schooler telling the king of Israel. This is like you walking into Donald Trump and saying, listen, I, listen this is how it's going to go. This is gonna go, how it's going to go, Donnie. This is what David's doing. He says in verse 32, And David said to Saul, let no, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his, from his youth. In other words, you're not going to be able to do it. He's going to kill you, is Saul's response. And this is what David said. David never wavered. He said unto Saul, Thy servant, keep his, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went, af- went out after him, and he smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy ser- servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And so Saul says, hey, you're going to die. And David said, no, I'm not. And why did David say that? Because David remembered, unlike all the people in the army of Israel, unlike Saul, David remembered what God had done for him. David remembered that there was a lion and there was a bear. And David it was taking his sheep. And David remembered, you know what? God delivered me out of that. David knew it wasn't him. David knew that it was all God. And so what we see is that David stood up with courage, he had faith, and then he knew that the Lord was going to deliver him. Like, David doesn't say, well, the Lord might deliver me. He said, the, the Lord will deliver me. I mean, do you guys honestly think that David, a uh, 15, 17-year-old kid, really thought that he was going to be the one to kill Goliath? Like, do you really think that? I don't think he did. What I think is, I think God knew that, or David knew that God was going to do it. I think that's how strong David's faith was. I think David, and, and you can read through this, and you can't find a place at all where he wavers from this. Not a single time. I think God knew that whatever was, or David knew whatever was in front of him, God was going to take care of it. And that, that is unquestionable faith. And that is faith we can all have, because our God will never let us down. But we have to be obedient, we have to be courageous, and we have to be faithful. Um, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, this is a popular verse. A lot of people seem to want to get this verse tattooed onto their body. The problem is most people who get it tattooed on their body don't actually believe it. But David believed this verse. David, without question, believed this verse. And he knew that, you know what, this verse, well, he wouldn't have known this verse, but David knew that God was going to do it. David knew that there was no way that he was going to be able to do it, but God would do it. And that leads us to the next point, and that is what, you know, David did next was David took action. And so, yeah, it's one thing to be obedient. It's another thing to be courageous. It's another thing to be faithful and have faith. But it's another thing to, be, to take action on, on, those, you know, on those things. And so, but this is important, guys. I, I want you to understand this. Once you decide to be obedient, courageous, and have faith, you're going to need to take action. God's going to show you something, and you're going to need to do it. And that's going to be up to you. And this is where things really get hard. This is where you start to really get tested. And we see in uh, um, verses 41 through 48, 
It says, And the Philistines came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was yet a, he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. So in other words, Goliath comes down, looks at David, and says, Really? This is the best you got to offer? He says, What I'm going to do, you boy, is I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed you to the birds. But once again, I mean, that's what he says. Once again, David clearly has faith that God's going to deliver him because David's response certainly would have made Goliath happy. He said, Then David said to the Philistine, Thou cometh to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take, thy, take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. So in other words, David said, yeah, that's great. I'm going to cut your head off. Plain and simple, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to cut your head off, and it's going to be God who does it, because the battle is the Lord's. And so there's some things I want you to notice here. The first thing is, just because David entered the battlefield doesn't mean that the enemy ran away. David entered the battlefield, Goliath looked at him, laughed, and said, I'm going to kill you. And that had to be a little bit intimidating for a 10-foot man to look at you and say, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds. But once you enter the battlefield, and once you enter, you know, you say, I'm, I'm going to fight my Goliath. I'm going to fight whatever's in front of me, whatever the enemy has in front of me, whatever Satan's tempted me with, whatever he's given me. It's not going to get easier. That's why you have to remember the second thing. And the second thing is what uh, David says in verse 47. David says, the battle is the Lord's. You have to understand, whenever you're going to fight, it's not going to get easier, but you have to believe that the battle is the Lord's. And if you're going to be obedient, you're going to be courageous, you're going to be faithful, and you're going to take action, and you're going to do what the Lord tells you to do, it's not you that's fighting. It's going to be the Lord. And you have to believe that, high schooler. You have to believe that. You can do great things. You're going to be stuck with me for a while after Kale leaves. And you're going to get sick of me telling you this. But I believe it. If you trust the Lord and you obey him and you follow him, you can do great things. It's not just David in the Bible. Anybody could do it. Anybody here sitting, can, sitting in this room can have a huge effect for the Lord. And finally, there is no room for fear. Listen, I, I know that it can be scary. I know it's scary to stand up. But what did David do? In verse 48, it says, David ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. You know, all the pictures and all the stories, you see David kind of walking up and he puts his stone in. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says he ran towards him. Like, man, that, that's pretty courageous. I mean, that, that goes beyond not having fear. That, that's kind of, in a sense, it's kind of stupid. You're charging a 10-foot dude who is very skilled. But you know what? David said, but the battle's the Lord. Let's, let's do this. And, and that's what we need to do, guys. We need to face our Goliaths and we need to run towards them knowing that God is going to give us the victory, believing that God's going to do it, and he will. Now, all, all we have to do is call out to the Lord. Guys, that's all we have to do because David took action, and the next thing we see is that David experienced victory. And so oftentimes you'll hear, and, and I'm guilty of this, and you'll hear me say, you know, the Christian life is hard, and 
there's a lot of trials and there's a lot of struggles. And if you're going to follow the Lord, it's hard. And it is. It really is. But you know what? There's a lot of victories if you follow the Lord. God's going to give you a lot of victories that you're going to look back on and be like, man, there's no way I could have gotten through that. Like, how in the world did I get through that experience? How in the world did I, did I, did I fight that battle? And you're going to realize it wasn't you, it was God. God got you through that. And it's only going to make you stronger. And so in 1 Samuel 17, 49 through 51, we see, we see the end of the fight. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. <clears throat> so obviously we know the end of the story. But, I mean, isn't that amazing? God, God gave David an amazing victory that we're still talking about today. And it, it wasn't David. It, it was God. And David makes that clear all throughout this. You know, imagine what that moment would have been like. You know, there's David, a tiny little high schooler, cutting off Goliath's head, the Philistines' champion. And he cut it off with his own sword. You know, the Israelites, they would have they had a flood of emotion. They would have been relieved. Uh, they would have had some joy. But I'm sure they would have had some guilt. I'm sure that David's brothers and some of the guys he was standing up to would have thought, man, that, that shouldn't have been my little brother down there. That shouldn't have been a high schooler. That should have been a man standing up for God. But that's not what happened. Imagine what the Philistines would have thought. And they would have been terrified. They would have been shocked. Uh, it says they, f- they fled, so clearly they were. They would have been angry. They would have been confused. But you have to understand, no matter what side you were on, there was one thing that was very clear. After this battle, there was one thing that was very clear. The battle really was the Lord's. David made it clear that every, you know, to everyone that the battle was the Lord's and all the power and all the glory went to God. There was no doubt who the living God was after this fight. You know, Goliath mocked the living God of Israel. Well, no one's mocking God now. You know, the Philistines didn't come back and make fun of God because they were too busy running because God provided a victory. And, you know, when we let God be God and we follow him, you know, just like David, God will do amazing things. You can do amazing things in your school. You can, you can get victory. You can have victory over sin. You can have victory over the Goliaths in your life. You can have victory over whatever comes in front of you because God is God and the battle is his. You just have to follow him. And, and you know what, guys? I think a lot of times we just forget that. We see this story, and it's familiar, so we just kind of skip over it. And we think to ourselves, well, yeah, that was David, and this is the Bible. I mean, there was amazing people in the Bible. And we forget that the very same God that helped Goliath or David in this situation is the very same God that, if you have a relationship with him, lives inside of you. And he's just waiting to fight, but we don't actually go to him. We say, oh, we're just going to take it. We're just going to take this life on on our own, and we're content. And so many people, you know, you, you come to church, and you don't pay, some of you, you don't pay attention, and maybe you don't care, and you're content in your life, but you know what, the, the sad thing is, is that your Goliath has, you know, it, it, it hasn't become your enemy. The Goliath that you're, you're fighting, it, it's your servant, or your, I'm sorry, I messed that all up. <laughs> Listen, the, the Goliath that's in front of you, you've just become its servant. You know what, you're, you're content living with your sin. You're content living in it. You're content fighting your battles on your own. You're content doing everything on your own. And you know what? God's just sitting there saying, well, I'd help you. But you know what? You're just serving your Goliath. And you know what? David didn't lose the battle. The Israelites didn't lose the battle. And nobody had to serve the Philistines. 
and you don't have to serve your sin, guys. You don't have to serve your Goliath. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you came in here and you're the most depressed person here and you're not willing to tell anybody. You know what? You can have victory over that today. You can have victory over that through the Lord. I don't care if you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. You can have victory over that today. You know, there, there's some steps you're going to have to take, but you can have victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. You just have to get in it and start fighting with the Lord, and he's going to give you victory. That's the amazing thing about our God. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who wants to fight for us, but yet we don't let him, and we just sit there and serve our own Goliaths. So let me encourage you guys, as we wrap up, guys, let me just encourage you. Don't serve your Goliath. Start fighting him. If you have one, and you're sitting here, and you're looking at me, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm feeling guilty. I, 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 God's laying something in your heart. It's not me. It's God. And you need to deal with it. Don't, don't walk out those doors without talking to somebody. Come talk to me. Talk to Kale. Talk to one of the other counselors and say, listen, I'm really struggling, but I want to have victory. And listen, it, it may be one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but I promise you God will get you through it. I, I pro- I'll bet everything I own that God will get you through it if you're willing to be obedient, if you're willing to ha- be, have courage and face it, if you're willing to have faith that God will get you through it, and you're willing to, to take action of whatever needs to be done, and you're going to have victory. David laid it out for us, guys. David laid out what we have to do to have victory. And the choice now is, are you going to go get victory? That's your choice. And there's some of you guys, maybe you don't, you don't have a huge Goliath. Maybe you're, you're like David. You're serving the Lord, and you're going through high school. And maybe you're tempted to think, man, I, you know, not many people know me, and, and I'm not making a big impact for the Lord. But you know what? People know you're a Christian. And that means something, especially in today's world. And if you're living a righteous life and you're living a holy life, you're, you're making an impact whether you believe it or not. So keep being a David because there will be Goliaths, there will be enemies. Do not, do not give up to them. Do not become their servants. And so as, as we wrap up and I'm going to pray, just it, if God's laying something on your heart, don't walk out those doors. Do not walk out those doors tonight and, and say, man, I, I'll deal with that tomorrow because you know what happens? The enemy will be waiting for you, and you won't deal with it tomorrow. Deal with it tonight. Oh Lord, man, I, I love you so much. Um, when I read a story like this, I, I've been so familiar with it since, since I was three. But yet as I read it, I, I continued to be encouraged this week. Um, I, I continue to find myself being excited because you're an amazing God who wants to fight, who wants to fight for us. Lord, the, the battle is yours if we're just willing to give it to you. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here tonight, maybe they're facing something, and maybe even their best friend doesn't even know what they're facing. Lord, I pray that they're willing to have the courage to, to, to start the, the process of getting victory over that. If there's someone here tonight and they don't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that they'll inquire about what that means. The fact that you loved us so much, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins so we can have a relationship with you. It's an amazing thing, Lord. I, I pray that no one leaves here tonight without understanding what that means. And for the kids here tonight, that they are being Davids and they are fighting their battles and maybe they're getting tired, Lord, I pray you give them strength. And I pray that you let them know that what they do matters for you. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters is what you think of us. It doesn't matter what this world thinks. It doesn't matter what our friends think. It just matters what you think and that they are going to make great impacts. And I pray that everyone uh, over the next several years and really for the rest of their life, they realize that they can do amazing things for God. They can do amazing things for you, even though they're high schoolers. They can start now. They don't have to wait till they're in their 20s or in their 30s. They can do it right now, Lord. And just thank you for, once again, your word and everything you show us. Amen.